Hello again. Welcome to another edition of On Mike with Jordan Rich. On today's episode, let us meet another one of those creative guys who's done it all and continues to let it flow. He's an old friend and colleague. His name is Scott Burns. We worked together um, in the late 1970s on radio here in Boston, so I've known him a very long time. He started very young, as did I, doing bits for local radio stations, developing celebrity impressions and other memorable characters. And ultimately, Scott worked successfully in advertising, the voice of hundreds of commercials and corporate narrations, something he does every day. If you want to hear a little taste, check this out. Last night, Ed and I walked into a bar. (laughs) Now, before you get ahead of me, I ordered a water. (laughs) And Ed ordered a light beer. (laughs) The bartender says, I kid you not, Two waters coming right up. Here we go. Number five. Only Car Toys has Bluetooth experts to connect your phone to your car, so use all your favorite apps hands-free while you drive. Look, Ma, no hands. <laughs> Keep an eye out on the expressway where we're getting reports of a tipped-over ice cream truck that's left rocky roads and a... Sweet Bessie! The Black Friday deal I've been waiting for just popped up on my Amazon app. Oh, I've got to get to it before it's gone. Oh, the Amazon lady sing this song. Give it to me straight, Doc. As my psychiatrist, what's your assessment? You're a womanizer. I know. Attention, students. This is your principal. I'd like to welcome everyone back to the first day of school. Now for a few announcements. Excuse number one. Your family is part of a consumer panel testing new concepts in thermal underwear. Mamas, don't let your babies use bad business banger. Remember FDIC. Now let's meet the man behind the voices, one of the nicest guys on planet Earth, and a man who, when asked about his most important influences, credits Mad Magazine and Laugh-In, that's why I love him, Mr. Scott Burns. When was it? I was trying to remind myself because it's getting so old. 1979, 1980, somewhere in yes. there when you were in yeah, Boston? Yeah. I, I, yeah, it was 1980 when I left. So, you know, like October or something around there. It was a short, a short visit, but boy, so memorable. Uh, yeah, so it was 79 and 80. Now, and I'll let you do the rest of the math. <laughs> you know, in, in my introduction, I talked a little bit about your production work and your voice work and your skills as a, well, as a voice actor, and they're just breathtakingly exciting. We'll talk about some of those. But but radio, how much radio did you do? Because it always seemed as though you were a, just this ball of talent who just wound up on the radio. It was almost a little bit confining for you, I thought, uh, at the time. Well, so did the, the last employers who let me go. So, <laughs> so <laughs> this is too much for us. Yeah, we can't uh, handle it. Yeah, my, uh, wow. Well, I, you know, it, it feels weird for me because I feel like my career has was kind of an inverted pyramid because I had so much fun. I did so much in the first five years of my career. And then from then it's kind of, it feels like it was the college level time <laughs> after that uh, for some reason. And you were at the pinnacle of the five year time there, Jordan, when, mm-hmm. uh, because from graduation from high school in this tiny little town of Moscow, Idaho, to uh, a brief stint, you know, about five months in Great Falls and then Spokane. And then, boom, I got the job in Boston, which is it's just it, that's just a case of, of being in the right place at the right time. And uh, and from what I understand, RKO was was big on, on recruiting talent, not so much to have talent come to them and ask them for work. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I ever told you that the story, how I. How no, I ended no up there. I'd love to know that, please. Uh, when I was in Spokane, the, the program director, Rob Harder, uh, was a big fan of KFRC. Of course, you know, for, for your listeners who might know that uh, that was part of the RKO radio chain. Right. And that was basically the equivalency of going to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got within an RKO station, you'd reach the top. 
So that was my my boss's dream was to work at KFRC. And he he did his time in Lake Tahoe, which is not a bad place to do time, but waiting for his moment to get on the air at KFRC. And he did eventually. He became Robin Bailey. And okay. at the time, a lot of people might not know about the this legendary morning show uh, personality, Dr. Don Rose, was doing the morning show at KFRC. And now that Rob was there, I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if I could send him a tape recording of myself, an air check, and have Dr. Don critique it, just to listen to it, mm -hmm. just so I could have <laughs> Dr. Don Rose gave me some advice on how to do my career. Well, a month went by. I didn't hear from Rob. I finally called him up and he said, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. We're on opposite ends of the clock. I have never had a chance to play that for Dr. Don. But Harry Nelson, the program director, <laughs> yes. was was walking through the station, walking past the production room where my tape was being played, heard it and said, oh, I want to hire him for for, you know, he was heading back to Boston. And when Rob told me that, I, I you know, we, we knew each other enough to know that, that oh, you've got to be joking. You're just, you know, quit BSing me. Mm. <laughs> Tell me the truth. He goes, no, he really did. He should have called you by now. And then about two days later, Harry Nelson actually called me and said, yeah, I've got a, I have two shifts for you. I'm not sure what I want to do, but, uh, you know, come on out here. So that was it. Wow. That's, so, that's your drugstore discovery story, Hollywood is. style, it only is. production room tape. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, it's just one of those cases of, of be proactive, be yeah. in, be in a place at the right time. You really have no control over it. I couldn't say no. I mean, it was just from Spokane to Boston. It was, uh, you know, and, and as events unfolded, things, you know, changes happened there. And then I asked to do the morning show interimly, if that is a word, interimly uh, with Charlie Van Dyke, who said he didn't want to get up in the morning anymore. So so and that's where you and I got to the chance to, to work together one on one. Yeah. So we, we had a blast. We had so much fun. And it was a tenuous time for those of us in AM radio. We knew our time was sort of limited, so we made the most of it. But I want to take you back to uh, another time in the 80s when you were working at KIRO-TV as a booth announcer. And first of all, we'll, we'll explain what that means. But then your experience with Tom Brokaw. And I knew you had it in you, but I didn't know the story about you and Tom Brokaw. So First of all, what's a booth announcer all about? A booth announcer is, well, it, I don't even know if they have them now because they're all pre-recorded and everything. But at the time, this was a big union thing that uh, they had a person in the booth who would do the live announcements mm -hmm. and saying, coming up next, it's, you know, it's Ellen and company or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the show was way back then. It was probably Danny Thomas. I don't know. <laughs> but but it was uh, it was one of those uh, jobs that a, a, a man sat in a booth. And, and just did live announcements. Well, that eventually went to where they would pre-record those and put tones on the tape so that an engineer at, you know, as, as people like to downsize, uh, the engineer would push the button and, and that would, you know, start the tape and then the right. voice would come off and say, available at Payless, that kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, so I, I was hired by, uh, coincidentally, because of my, my reputation on the radio uh, the program director at Cairo liked the personality, if you can believe that. And he wanted to bring a little bit of personality to this kind of tried, you know, stayed established TV station. And I don't know if I did that because I fell into the trap of being a booth announcer and mm. talking like this. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably disappointed him. But uh, but the uh, the actual booth announcer that got pushed aside, I'm sorry to say he was a, he was an old gentleman and he resented me like crazy and uh, he would leave me little presents in the booth 
<laughs> would come in to record, if you know what I mean. I, I think I have a slight uh, idea, and I don't think we have to go there uh, all these many <laughs> years later. It was wow. Pepe Le Pew uh, yes. had left me oh, a my goodness. in the booth, and, and now i got to go and, and, and read the book and, and pre-record <laughs> all the announcements. Yeah, that was not that was not pleasant. So tell me about Brokaw. He comes, what, does he come to the station and you have to work with him? Well, I have to work. I mean, get to work. Now, <laughs> exactly. Now, this was, I was now at another TV station. Uh, slash uh, radio, it was uh, a King Broadcasting. Now I'd gone to another uh, station. <clears throat> and this is when, in 1980-something, 1980 86 or something, when uh, the news anchor would make the rounds to all the, you know, the affiliates and do promos, you know, do interviews on the air and things like that. And then we, they would cut promos. where They would record little station announcements and, and things like that. Right. And I was happened to be the audio booth, or the audio engineer for that. And got to meet Tom Brokaw and shake his big, meaty fist. He has a big, <laughs> a big <laughs> thick hand. I was, and he didn't say much. We just kind of escorted yeah. him into the this office booth area, which was the soundproof room that they had. They had really nice studios at King. Um, and uh, I've got to be the one to say, "Okay, Tom, go ahead," <laughs> or you know, count <laughs> yeah. count me down. It wasn't that much. Uh, but at the time, we had a, a the morning show was kind of this wacky little morning show for a news station. It was kind of they did a lot of fun things, and and I would make little fun promos for them. And I I asked Tom through the glass if he would mind doing a a little um, kind of an ad lib promo for the Larry Schick singers. He was Larry Schick was our weather guy, and we found this old disc of old jingles, and he mocked it and said that was his singers. It's going to be cold today. <laughs> That kind of stuff. So, but Tom's reaction was, <laughs> I think I'll pass. And that it was like, uh, okay, well, Tom Brokaw just kind of threw some shade on me here. And, 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 uh, and that was, it. and, and the, basically that was my experience with Tom Brokaw. But in the, in the interim, after that, I did manage to use him in the promo. And I, I made this promo when Tom Brokaw comes to town, do you think he'll do a promo for Larry Schick? And then I actually used his, his little uh, snippet where he goes, huh, I think I'll pass. <laughs> now, it, what I wanted to follow up with you, Scott, is the fact that you are a terrific, I'll call you a mimic impersonator actor. And, and you do and have done for many, many years, Tom Brokaw, uh, Tom Broken Jaw, as you call him. Well, yeah, yeah. And well, and how does how does that? First of all, let's hear a little bit of Tom Broken Jaw, so the audience will get a sense. It's, it's been a while, and I usually do them better in the morning. But let's see. This is Tom Brokaw, NBC Nightly News, and we're listening to Jordan Rich on your radio station here. <laughs> that's beautiful. It's been a while. It's yeah, that's no, great. That's dead on. But how does that happen for you? And and I want to talk about Moscow and growing up, not that Moscow. You're you're a Moscow. <laughs> I want to talk about growing up and and having fun with your voice. But how does the 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 voice come to you? Well, the thing with Tom, I noticed that was interesting because the station was uh King 1090 AM 10, you know, 1090. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I noticed right away that he had a slur with his words uh, on his 90s. So it came, instead of King 1090 Seattle, it came out King 1090 Seattle. <laughs> and, and I just, I thought, wow, did I hear that right? And I played the tape back as, on King 1090 Seattle. And so I, I kind of, as a joke, started just imitating that. Yeah. And and when I went to another radio station, uh, they were we were looking for fun things to do. And and I, that was just kind of a little parlor fun thing to do. But then we started. I started doing little joke headlines. 
you know, coming up with a Charlie and Ty show, we'll be learning about, you know, and then put a joke in there. And uh, it became, and so as to avoid any kind of lawsuits, I called him Tom Broken Jaw <laughs> right. because, it, you know, it just sounded like he had a broken jaw and that's why he was talking that way. So he was King Tonight, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, that's it's exaggerated. Uh, it, no, but it, it, in, in the work you've done throughout your career, you've been able to uh, obviously create your own characters, but but play on some of our most favorite characters. And it all starts, doesn't it, when you're a kid? I mean, I was always playing around with my voice when I was a kid and couldn't wait to do something with it, have somebody hear it, usually my, my <laughs> one friend in high school. But tell me about you. Uh, it, it says here you had, a like me, a steady diet of mad magazines to check oh. out. And you really got a, a hold of this idea early on, didn't you? I think so. You know, when you mentioned the mad magazines, yeah, my brother – you know, ordered those first. And, and I grew up, that was basically, you know, I had, we had only two channels of TV stations because we lived way out in the middle of nowhere in the country. And it was all that, you know, the, our TV antenna was up on top of a, of a, a grain, you know, a, a field of, of grain right. on a, on a fence post. And, and we only got two channels. And I forget what the channels were, NBC and, and ABC maybe, but so I grew up on the, you know, black and white TV and mad magazines and that was my entertainment. And I, I think that's where I've, I've developed my love of parody so much because of, of the Mads look at this and Mads look at that. Um, and I, 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 the, my earliest recollection of wanting to do a voice was Fred Flintstone. My sister had bought – she had these toy Flintstone toys that looked like the little car mm -hmm. and all that. And I remember playing with those and wishing that I could sound like Fred Flintstone. For some reason, and I don't know why, where, wherever that came from. <laughs> Barney Rubble was a lot easier for me, but I, you know, I, I just remember wanting to do that. And eventually watching, uh, well, I, and I know you're going to bring up Barney, watching the the Mayberry show, uh, Andy Griffith. I remember being annoyed by Barney Fife and, mm. and just going, boy, he's a whiny guy. And, and I was really young, <laughs> but I just, I was annoyed by him. And, and that kind of became my, my kickoff, uh, as I'm sure right. you do when you do a voice, it, it helps to have a kickoff phrase or something that you do. And, and I don't, I don't know if Barney ever said this, but it was always, well, I'm getting sick and tired of all this running around. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I can't get up to the, the high note now. I don't know what I'm going to do. But, but it was always, I'm sick and tired of all this running around. And, and that was, that, that started yeah. me doing Barney and, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just would could hear things, and it, it satisfied me if I could get them out of my system. You mentioned parody, and, and it's more than just a voice, and you can help the voice, but it really helps to have a little exaggeration and the fun with the character. And I remember uh, we used to hear you do Barney on RKO Radio and all these great other characters you had, and, and you've used these with the production funnies. Let's talk a little bit about that because you and your wife uh, formed this company. Yes, yes. Well, and that that was born of necessity because that was my one of my you know in, in radio. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the perils of radio, but it's not a very short lived or it's not a very long lived job for some people. Some right. people it, it works great, but uh, I found myself out of employment, and and it was abrupt, and it was like, what am I going to do? But during that employment, this was with another morning show. Uh, that I was a producer for the first time. This is the first time I was never the on-air guy. I was the behind-the-scenes guy. Uh, and and part of that was doing the, the Tom Brokaw and all the Barney Five things for them. 
as well as TM Century. I, I don't know if you remember TM Century was big oh, with yeah. building jingles. Yes, I do remember that company. Wow. Yeah, and sure. and they and for a while they started a comedy service. So one of the this uh, guy Rusty Humphreys, who you probably know that name mm -hmm. from talk radio circuits, Rusty was in charge of their comedy division, and and all these radio station producers and everybody would contribute to this collective radio comedy thing. And, and that's when he called and said, do you have anything you can send us? And I said, well, I'm doing this Tom Brokaw thing for Charlie and Ty. I, maybe I could do it for you. And as a result of all that, they kept me on a regular basis. And I thought, well, if I can do that on a regular basis for these people, I could certainly start my own company and see if I could do this for me and not, you know, for other people. So that's how the production funnies came to be. I called it the production funnies because I love the funny papers. Yeah. I thought, well, this would be kind of a concept of, it'll be like this. Yeah. You'll have all these different characters and right. different, the Sunday funnies, but it's in production form. Well, so, what, what you're talking about, and I don't want to seem like the real fuddy duddy that I am, but you're talking about that golden age radio stuff, the theater of the mind, the imagination. When you do your, your bits for even advertisers, the whole goal is to take people out of their element and to believe, even if they have to suspend disbelief, <laughs> that they're in the, in the room with A or B or C, or their security guard for the day is Barney Fife. That's, yes. that's the beauty of it, isn't it? And I love being, if I can get it as close as possible to, to creating that, that, that's a huge win for me. Um, there was a, um, this kind of goes back into the commercial realm too. For a while, there was a um, commercial called Kava, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, let me back up. In, in the Pacific Northwest, Rainier Beer, you're familiar with Rainier Beer? Yep. That they had a local ad campaign where they would do parodies of mm -hmm. actually like they would do an Elvis Presley parody or they would parody TV shows and stuff like that. And I was just fascinated with that, how close they got to looking like the real thing. And that that became, ooh, I want to do that. That's that's what I want to do. So, yeah, when you say, you know, as get it as close as you possibly can and suspend that belief with people, that's that's a huge yeah, that's a that's a right and a weird a weird aspiration for and, me. And there's also live performance too. And I was I was wanting to talk with you about improv and about stage work and things like that because I've done a gazillion events where I've emceed and you have to think fast on your feet. But tell me about some of these experiences that you've had uh, and any that stand out. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff in your career. Well, the on-camera stuff was uh, that's that was a big goal too. But that was a lot of corporate. You know, and again, this kind of goes back to the time when, when doing parodies was a big thing, even for corporation, you know, because they want to make their, their internal learning right. entertaining. So they would hire producers who would create funny things. And, and as a result of me being on the radio and doing these voices, I became known in Seattle for, oh, he does funny characters. So, yeah, get him. So that really worked in my favor to have that recognition. The, uh, the stage stuff came as a result of, of me thinking, well, are you familiar with whose line is it? Oh, of course. And yeah. The improv group. And, and there was a, a gentleman, Gary Austin, who was the founder of the groundlings mm. in, mm -hmm. in, and he worked the committee and stuff. He, he'd come up to Seattle for a workshop and, uh, I took this workshop with him and, and, and instantly became intrigued and fascinated with the, with improvisation and the fact that you can create a scene just by, just by, making stuff up. I mean, and telling people what you're going to do, just these little exercises mm. that would create this whole, you know, that looked like that was scripted. How did you people do that? How, you know, and I think the main thing is I found out too, is that don't try to be funny. 
because you think with improv, well, I always laugh and, and a lot of people think, oh, I've got to be funny. I've got to be on. You're, you're funnier when you're not even trying. And, mm. and it took me a long, still mm. takes me a long time to realize that. But, but, um, as a re- I just kept, Gary would come up to Seattle. He's passed away now, unfortunately, but, but he would come up to Seattle, uh, like, you know, every year, maybe twice a year and, and have these workshops. And it just each time, even if you're not even interested in doing a stage or doing that kind of, I recommend improv for everybody because through our lives, yeah. we're improving. Absolutely. Go to the bank teller, yeah. You know, you're, yeah. you're improving with the bank. You're, you're just, you're having a conversation and just listening and reacting and given a good old yes and. <laughs> Here's a question then related to that and related to the work you do in advertising. And you've done some amazing work. We heard some of it at the beginning of the show. And that is uh, things have changed a lot over the years, obviously. I mean, uh, yes. in terms of what advertisers want to do. And they, they got away from the, the – remember the Stiller and Mirror, uh, Little Blue mm-hmm. Nun ads that were so brilliant. And now a lot of stuff is so quick and they don't even show TV credits anymore. They, they diminish them to a little blip on the screen. So, I mean – I. Things have changed. Is there a place for the – and you're obviously still doing it, but is there a place for this kind of creativity? Is it coming back? Uh, just the old school fun of using your imagination. I don't know. You know, it's – everything, as we've discovered, does come in cycles and mm-hmm. comes back into favor again. So uh, you can't rule it. You know, don't hang up that – don't get rid of that clothing <laughs> that yeah. wardrobe just yet. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the the big thing now, of course, is those, those rascally – millennials, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, I I remember being young too, and and people complaining about my generation. Uh, but, and it it just happens now that we're, or I am anyway, of that, that part of that generation, those, those cursed millennials. Uh, but, but, uh, but I do love them. I have children that age, but you know, the, the thing with them is that they, they are beyond all that being talked to and, and, being BS to, you know, and with the little happy scenarios at the beginning of a commercial, you know, Hey, I just bought some, some, uh, detergent. Really? Where'd you get it? Those are kind of gone. Now it's just like, they just want to be, you know, just share with me what, you know, it's a one-on-one. You just tell me a story, you know, just, just share. Did, did this work for you? Did you yelp it? Does it work? Yeah. Then I'll buy it. Mm. So, uh, so I think, yeah. I think a lot of the, uh, the advertising is geared towards millennials. It's always geared towards the that younger demographic. Um, but who knows what, you know, if you if you try to do a, a cultural icon reference to some people, I mean, you don't you you can only go back about six years. Exactly. If, if it hadn't happened, it used to be in their lifetime. Now it's right six years. Then yeah. you can't do those references. I mean, I would venture to say that. Barney Fife, who is a legendary, iconic figure, if if anyone's over the age of 40 anyway. Yeah. A- and yes, there are reruns and all that. But I – okay, if, if I want to <laughs> confess to you, my impressions are very offbeat, very strange. I do, uh, you know, Mr. Potter and It's a Wonderful Life. And I might get lucky once in a while if somebody under 50 uh, – George, you'd find that very helpful, wouldn't you? Maybe twenty, <laughs> maybe $30,000 a year. You'd like that, and. No, I'm serious. I mean, and, and you, but I don't have much of an audience anymore, you know, although the older audience I love, I love indeed. Well, that's true. And and I don't know if you've discovered this too, Jordan, in your voice work, that, that you can use those characters as, and people will think, well, that's, it's kind of, if it's a generalized, that could be, right. oh, that sounds like my Uncle David, uh, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't, maybe you don't have to, you know, use the reference of this is from that guy, but, but it does strike a chord with 
people's recognition factor, and, and it's a funny voice no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Scott, you uh, mentioned uh, the funnies, and uh, again, that's an, a reference to the comics in the Sunday paper. Yeah. or day. But, but let me ask you about animation because you've done some really cool things where you've become the voice of a character. Where, I don't know if you've developed the, the artwork, but you've taken whatever the artist has come up with, and then you've applied a voice. Is there a pattern or is there a a formula to that that you think about? Well, if what you're referencing here that, um, I don't, I don't draw them. No. Uh, and, and generally they will come to you and, you know, here's the picture of what we're looking, you know, here's, here's the concept of Binky. I don't know. Mm. Uh, if Binky's a lawyer, then whatever. (laughs) So sometimes you, if you can look at that picture and and just kind of assume the posture or if he has a big mouth and you kind of get your big mouth that way. But, uh, a lot in my early in my early animation work was for uh, these video games. When video kids interactive games first came on the scene in the 1990s, and again with my reputation in Seattle as having done character work, word had gotten around that oh here's a guy who can does do voices. It's it's worked out really well. Uh, but they, they would have, sometimes I wouldn't see what the character would look like, but, but, uh, they would describe him like, you know, he's an old crotchety man and he's a banker. Okay. That's that. And then I would probably go with your, your Mr. Potter voice <laughs> or something. But, uh, but a lot of them ended up wanting, they liked using the Barney Fife. They, they use the Tom Brokaw, uh, t- uh, in the, uh, oh, humongous was the creator. They had putt putt, they had spy Fox. They had other, you know, all these little kid games and, and they like, they said, well, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, you can do, you can do the, the Barney Five voice. So I was Mr. Utterly, a cow, uh, mm. who did, you know, it was just an exaggeration of Barney, but, but they all liked it. And now they, they knew of the characters, but, uh, I, I get kids today who are in their, you know, late twenties, they were kids then who will track me down on through YouTube and, and say, I was a big fan of fatty bear. And <laughs> can you, can, I've drawn a picture of fatty bear. Would you, would you sign oh, it? Wow. It's like, what has, what, <laughs> what am I doing but, here? That's yeah, true. But, it, but it's uh, fun. So I don't even know if I answered your question or not, but, you, but no, I don't draw the pictures, even though I, I, I do like yeah. to draw. Well, here's, fun. here's uh, a reference to a previous podcast guest, uh, Billy West, who's legendary and a great oh guy. And Billy told me and told the audience to this podcast you know, he relates a character that is drawn that they want him to use to somebody in his life, usually a, an, uncle, an uncle, I mean, a, a vuncular, yeah. but I mean, uh, somebody in his life or a celebrity. So it's the same idea. And you just stretch it a little bit and make it a more unique voice and you're off to the races, I guess. You can layer it. Yeah. yeah. So, so Jordan, how about if we do this? Uh, and it doesn't even have to be a, if, if you've never done Barney Fife, but take your character, your Mr. Potter character. And and make him whiny and see what that sounds like. Ah, gee whiz, are we gonna have to go through this again, George? That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, t- now take it and and uh, say, Andy, when are you gonna let me put a bullet in my gun? Andy, when are you gonna let me put a bullet in my gun? Now morph morph them together and uh, and see what that sounds like. Andy, when are you gonna let me put a bullet in my gun? See. That's just I, a, that's another character. I, it yeah. is another character, exactly. And uh, I'm doing what what you have talked about, and what you and I are talking about, and that is, I'm imagining, I'm seeing that character in my in my head as I'm I'm bringing that voice out, and that's that's the fun of it. That's the magic of it, you know. Exactly. And if you if you give him a like a a, a lame arm or something, or maybe he's he's having a trouble dip breathing. 
these are all just little gimmicky tricks, you know, that actors do. If if uh, maybe if you want to age him, you can breathe out about eighty percent of the air out of your lungs, and then start doing the voice. Oh and yes. then he will sound, you know, even older because he will legitimately have a difficulty breathing. So I'm I'm guessing, and this is just a guess, that as people are listening to this podcast, they're they're throwing things at the computer. Have him do more voices. Could <laughs> what what are some of your other favorite celebrity voices? Just a few that we can touch oh, base with. I was afraid you were going to ask that because they're all dead. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> all right. Most of mine are all dead. You know, they're from the '40s, so they're all dead. Well, or they're or they're recluses. I used to do <laughs> Richard Simmons. Oh my so, goodness. Okay, everybody, it's okay to cry. It's okay now. Push and push. You know, so. <laughs> that was... Oh man, I'd like to see uh, you doing that. Actually, well, That'd be... the, yeah, I have to. I have to oil up the legs to do that. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of other. Well, and there's everybody who does the Christopher Walkins and all that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't even know if I want to try that. I've I've actually tried doing Trump, and and it just. <laughs> It just yeah. upsets me, so I, 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 I I've tried. I, I try to stay away from 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 that. Or, or there hasn't been a big call for it lately. So it's like, okay, I'll, I tried it for one, but but I've got to I've got to commend you because it, every, there are so many people who quote do voices and do impressions of celebrities even. And when you mentioned uh, uh, the actor you just mentioned, uh, Christopher Walken. Chris Walken. I yeah. think the greatest Christopher Walken, in my opinion, is Kevin Pollack, who also does the best Captain Kirk, the best yes, Shatner. Yes. But you do the best Barney Fife and the best Tom Brokaw I've ever heard, ever. And I mean, I'm listening all the time for Barney Fife impersonators. Well, thank you. I, I actually, <laughs> thank you. Well, I, well, thanks. I really appreciate that. My whole body is a weapon. <laughs> I, with Brokaw, I've, I've had a lot of fun with that, playing pranks on people, actually. I, I called a local television station and I, by request from somebody within you know, the producers, they, they were doing a live uh, show, one of those afternoon shows. And they had me call in uh, because they were taking celebrity stories or something like that. But they had me call in to her and they put it live on the air, which was pretty, pretty racy. They pretty trusting. Actually, yes. They, uh, but, but it was the fact that I could just, you know, talk to her and she was in shock that she was talking with Tom Brokaw, but then they, they did, put you know we have a we have news for you and she goes wait a minute who is it oh i know him he's always calling me and leaving me messages <laughs> you're inspiring me to remember uh i have a friend a longtime friend who was a waiter at a very famous boston restaurant who was a rather brilliant impressionist and he faked me uh, pretending to be al pacino on the phone and i invited him <laughs> on the air and this is when i was doing the late night on wbz and he came in to do two to three a.m and i'm not kidding he was as Al Pacino, and he did, and he played it straight, as you said. You play yeah. it straight, and we had people coming at three o'clock in the morning to the radio station, <laughs> knocking on the poor security guard. Uh, it wasn't Barney Five, so it it can as long I'd say, and you do you agree? I mean, as long as it's done in fun, and you don't want to hurt somebody and right. ruin their life. But it's amazing how you can have fun and fool people if you get really, it really is. adept I, at. I'm just I'm I feel very fortunate. I mean, and there are some that I can't do and it takes me a while to get get there and I'm st I'm still racking my brain to try to figure out what other celebrities do I do but uh and I should have come better prepared for this but I No 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 I when I was a kid I mean I watched uh, the all the greats the Rich Littles and the David Fries and John Biner and all these guys and I uh, oh man I mean I I just loved the idea and I was 
eight years old, nine years old, doing Ed Sullivan, not very well. But that's that's we we come from the same stock, you and I. What can I say? We, yeah, we really well, do. I, I I was just thinking now. Okay, here's an example of just this morning uh, how I use these characters in in my daily voice auditioning. Uh, because uh, there's a thing called the character diversion. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a Maurice Tobias. It's an actor's trick, and, and musicians okay. have done this, where if, if you're having difficulty finding a voice for you, or you're, you're so used to hearing your own voice, and as you're reading copy, you're going, I, this isn't me. I don't even believe this. I, I need to do something different. Mm. Sometimes if you if you take a break, read the read the script in character, as somebody totally different than you, it can be Santa Claus, it can be anybody. If you do it completely in character and commit to it, and then at the very bottom, take a second beat and then start over as yourself without thinking or resetting huh. or, or, or anything like that, uh, you can get a, an entirely different sound than what you normally hmm. think you sound like. That's a so great for instance, trip. Give me it, an example. Yeah, It works so good. So this morning, uh, it was for a healthcare uh, in, in Chicago. Uh, healthcare place, and they wanted you know deeply caring and stuff like that. So I did it as me, and then I thought, no, I, I'm going to do it now as Jimmy Stewart, because maybe we can work off your Mr. Potter, <laughs> and 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 so you know they they really care about you. And it, what it did, it slowed me down, and and I even threw in some stutters. But the minute after I got done talking like Jimmy Stewart, after I got done talking like Jimmy Stewart, so it. it that one yeah. little second break, it doesn't give you a chance to have that little voice on your shoulder saying, you're terrible at this. Who do you think you are? Oh. <laughs> no, it's not me. I'm letting all the breathing and all the characteristics and, and all the, you know, it it just sounds, it's pretty amazing. And I highly recommend everybody try it. Character diversion. I'm writing that down. I'm going to definitely put that in my arsenal. But one more thing about voice and then uh, one more thing to wrap up because it's it's getting late where you are. Actually, it's early where, where you are. You're you're on the West Coast. But it's September where I am. Are you <laughs> yes. kidding? Uh, I wanted to ask you about ethnic accents. Do you have an ear for that? Uh, only from from, from, I don't get out much. So I, I only from what I hear on the TV and, you know, and, and that I, I, um, there's a, there's one accent and I don't know if it's a, the Southern California accent the, or the Kardashian where people go up on their words, oh, yes. you know, yes. like, I didn't know that, you know, that, that thing drives me crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, so I, I did travel to Texas and was quite disappointed that I didn't hear one Texas drawl, <laughs> you know, and, and, and when talking with you, people go, yeah, you have to get, you have to go out farther into the, you didn't, uh, bring any Boston back with you when you went back west? No, we, you know, well, here's the thing when I was working there and, and I did really definitely hear the Boston accent. This is when the cars were, were popular. The, uh, the, the group, the cars, my best friend girl, mm -hmm. you know, that, and, and I remember a listener, called, this gal called up and she goes, can you play the cat? <laughs> and I go, play the, play the what? The cat. And I said, the cat? You know, the cat, the, the cat, the group, the cat. Oh, it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, wow, that was cool. I got to hear a real Boston accent or, or is it Medford or? or well, what? there's probably 15 or 20 of them. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, depending on which neighborhood or which parish you're from in Dorchester. Dorchester, <laughs> Dorchester yeah. Um, well, it's, but, uh, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Um, to, to follow along with the, the length of time since we've connected and it's too long, but you've done so many things. One more question. Do you, do you think about legacy? Cause I do. I mean, I, I know it sounds a little lame and a little corny to think this, but when you do a commercial or that piece you did for that medical group there, and this is for the voiceover aspiring talent out there, there's a certain legacy or you're, you're helping people sell a product 
But that's going to be around for a, quite a long time. Do you think about that? I try to think about what's the next gig. You know, <laughs> but, yeah, of course you like, do. It's fun to, to look back and and you know there are there are really 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 professional voice actors in the world, and I wish I mean who really dedicate and you know they're a business. They're like a corporation. I'm kind of like the Methodist day camp counselor. You know, <laughs> I kind of fall someplace in between. I'm, I'm very grateful and very lucky for the jobs that I get, but I don't hustle that much. I'm a terrible marketer. Uh, but what I but it is fun to to look back at the collection and, and go, wow, that was really cool. Mm. And and I think of my my kids and and you know whether it means things to them. I and I know it does. Uh, of the work that I've done, I've been very proud of. And and uh, so it is kind of nice to kind of say, oh, there's a good little. Well, is that, is, that's is that good. And, and two things. One, you should be proud because you're, I, in my opinion, one of the most talented and creative people I've ever worked with. And second oh, of all, you. you're a better marketer than you think because your website is bookscottburns.com. Ah. There's an active element <laughs> yes, there. Yes, it's a call to action, isn't it? <laughs> it's a call I to credit, action. I, I credit that to Randy Nargi, who's a director. He's the TV director or the uh, film director who did that one, the one film that I'm in, uh, G-Sale. I'll give that a plug. Mm -hmm. uh, Randy's suggested that because he was, you know, I don't know. I forget what the conversation was, but I love that. It resonated when he said, you should have a call to action. Make them do something. Yeah, so, so books got burns instead of... <laughs> Well, it so works. Like, do this. It it works. If 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 people are calling and booking you, he 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 hit upon something very very special. He did. He's very smart. I am so honored and touched that we connected again, and we'll we'll stay in touch, not just uh, on the podcast realm, but I same here. People in Boston remember. I they remember RKO. They remember the days of Charlie and you and me and and Ed Walsh and all these other characters. Oh, yeah. And wow. it was it was a it was a pretty historic time because it ended shortly after you left and and now it's all talk 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 but it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun. it was it was I'm, and again i'm so fortunate and and that was like even though that my time there was so small it's it's a, such a huge memory for me i mean i feel like i was there for 25 years yeah just in the friends that i made and and uh the connections and and just that prestige of of being at that that radio station and working for those call letters and meeting you and everybody and and you were a good challenge you you kept me on my toes, Mister. Because uh, uh, well, you're, we should, you're we, puns. Well, one of the things that people let's peel back the the curtain here. I wasn't anywhere near you, which is probably a good thing. I was four or five <laughs> miles away and in a little closet at the National Weather Bureau, and and I used to just pause and wait for you to call on me. Kind of like a dog. Here it's spot. Fetch my paper. But we had a blast, man. And you, we did. I, I still have a couple of. I have a transfer of these before they evaporate. A couple of cassettes that I treasure. But uh, hey, great talking with you, Scott. Can we have a closing comment from both Barney and Tom before we wrap up? Okay. All right, all right, everybody, just stand behind the ropes and move along. Now this podcast is over. Thank goodness. <laughs> all right, we'll see you later and drive carefully. I wish I were still on the air so people would know who Scott Burns is. This is Jordan thanking you for listening to On Mike with Jordan Rich, available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Android. Appreciate you subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast if you get a chance. On Mike is produced at Chart Productions in Boston. Until next time, be well so you can do good.